and welcome to another great message from Mr. Christian Outreach Church. We pray you'll be inspired and equipped by this teaching. For more information on Noosa Christian Outreach Church, please check out our website at noosacoc.org.au. Enjoy. Why don't you turn with me in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. This month we've been talking about adding knowledge to your faith. And uh, if if you haven't got one of our knowledge cards for for a bit of extra study, you can find one in the seat pocket in front of you, which gives you a few extra scriptures to read. It gives you a definition, um, and it also um, unpacks um, where we've we've been heading and where you can take it further. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. Like Vicky said, our year is all about following Christ to freedom. Let's read from verse 13. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all of the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, before we get started this morning, I want to talk a little bit about art. Who loves going to art galleries? Let's, can I get a bit of a show of hands? More than I would have thought, you know. And keep your hand raised if you're a man. Okay, we'll pray for you men after the service. Just kidding. You know, for many years, you know, uh, art revolved around, for me, revolved around me being entertained by it. You know, whether I was visually inspired by it or whether, whether I was listening to some music that, that inspired me and, and, or whether, I, whether it made me feel good when I was in the presence of it, whether it was art, whether it was uh, something. And I, and I would say for me, for most of my life, probably the most significant piece of art of the 20th century would be the 1957 Chevy automobile, which I've got a picture of up there. <laughs> Who would agree with that? Yep. What an amazing piece of art. And... Uh, you know, you know, many some people like a Van Gogh or a, um, or you know, or a Da Vinci or something like that. I would appreciate a piece of automobile artistry, you know, um, and, or I would like some art that was, you know, potentially taking something historic, say maybe an Atkins version of the Mona Atkinson. Have we got one of those up there? And <laughs> that appeals to me. I don't know. Does it appeal to you? It appeals to me. And, uh, you know, I've seen the real Mona Lisa, but I get more of a kick out of looking at that one than I did of actually looking at the real deal. I don't know why. But now, you know, uh, you know and what about music? You know, we've got the great, the great artists of Beethoven and Tchaikovsky and, and all of these amazing composers. And then, you know, we, we moved into the 70s and we had the Bee Gees and Rod Stewart. They were amazing. But even better was in the 90s, when all you had to do was take a BG song or a Rod Stewart song and add a beat to it and it turned it into art. Art that you can move to is good art in my mind, isn't it? You know, we, if we had, you know, when, we, when DJs were invented, all music became good because you could move to it. didn't matter what it was. And he, isn't it interesting how we transition in our, um, in our appreciation of things? You see, in my life, my appreciation of art has changed as I've 
got older as I've matured. And, you know, it's like your taste buds mature from when you're young to when you get, to get older. Your appreciation of food changes. Your appreciation of art changes. See, early in our maturity, before we understand, before we, before we think, it's about our senses. You know, how does this appeal to my senses? Can I touch it? Can I smell it? Can I see it? Can I hear it? How does it appeal to my senses? And then, you know, and then we, we move into this place of, of reason or appreciation, you know, where, you know, I now look at a piece of art. Um, if I'm standing in an art gallery or, or looking at a beautiful building, uh, I can appreciate who this person was and when, when in history they produced this piece of art. Amazing, isn't it? You know, we, we shift from something to something before that did nothing for me, but now I look at it and I have more understanding around the artist. I have more understanding around the period of history. I have more understanding and I can reason, reasonably appreciate it. I used, to, I used to have, if my senses weren't tickled, I didn't necessarily appreciate something. Whereas then when, my, when I became reasonable in life, when I started to, to think about things and to learn things, I appreciated how, you know, reasonably, that's, a, that's an amazing work considering who that person was, what time of history they were in and what they're trying to say when they created that piece of art. And then something else has triggered me in the last few years. You see, some of the grandest, most overwhelming creations of art are still unsolved riddles for each of us. You look at them and you don't understand them, but something in you says, I like that. I don't know what it is. It stirs something in me. You know, we admire them, we feel overawed by them, but we're unable to say what they represent to us. You know, I, I like going to art galleries to watch people looking at art. I like to see what happens. Some people will stand in front of a piece of art and burst into tears. Our very own Jane Spees, who, who says she's not an artist, but she cries every time she looks at art <laughs> because it moves her in a way that she potentially can't understand, but something moves her about the art that she's looking at. Usually in the presence of great art, each of us says something different. I wonder if what grips us is not actually the art but the artist's intentions for the art. Not simply being entertained, not an intellectual comprehension, but something awakens in us. Something like an emotional attitude or some inspiration, that same inspiration that caused the artist to create that piece of art. We can't understand it but something in us shifts, something appreci- we appreciate something about it that we don't understand. And I wonder if it's the intention of the artist that we've tapped into. Whenever I look at art, I, I, whether it's music, whether it's you know, sculpture, whether it's an automobile, whether it's food, whether, whatever it is, whether it's actually a painting, whether it's a building, some architecture, whatever it is, I, I, I automatically, without even thinking about it now, ask myself three questions. I go, how, does, how do I feel? How are my senses being engaging with this? I don't even have to ask that. They just engage. We don't have to ask our senses, do we? They just engage or they don't engage. And then I think, can I understand it? What piece of history, what period of history was this building built in? And I used to walk through the Roman Forum. First time I walked through it 20 years, 15 years ago, I, I looked at it and it was just rubble everywhere and I didn't understand it. I, and I just saw rubble and I'm going, why are we here? 
Whereas now I will go in there for hours and hours and hours because I can appreciate the periods of history and I sit there and in awe of what these people created thousands of years ago without machinery, you know, without, without power, without all these things that we, we, we can uh, appreciate today and, I, and I'm in awe of it. And then I ask myself, does it stir in me some inspiration, some attitudes or emotions that I cannot explain. Now, the reason I want to talk about, I'm talking about art this morning because I believe that the greatest work of art ever produced in all of humanity is you and me. You see, God, the creator of the universe, the great I am, he is the great artist. They used to call Da Vinci the artista. The great artista is the great I am. And his greatest piece of artwork is you and I. Now, I wanted to suggest to you this morning that there's, there's ways that we look at these great works of art that are ways that can help us live life well, that can help us walk in liberty well. You see, the first, the first way of seeing relates to our body, to our senses, doesn't it? We're, we're, we're spirit, soul and body. And the, and the lowest form of seeing is just with these eyes right here. So when I look at you, I appreciate you based on what I see with my eyes. You're the, you're, you're the pinnacle of the artist's creation in all of the universe. Humanity is wherever we look. You know, so, so when I look at you with my natural eyes, they, they appreciate you based on what I see, based on what I hear, based on how, you know, our embrace, based on whatever... What, you know, based on how you smell and, how, and other, other forms of senses. And if I live there, I make judgments on what I sense about you. And, uh, you know, there's some nice, you know, shapes there. They, they're quite, quite shapely. They're good with the eyes. You know, the smell's nice. You know, it's like a, a lady walks past. You know, I go for a run in the morning at 5 o'clock in the morning and I will pass a lady on the track in the Tanglewood, and she's got perfume on it at five o'clock in the morning. I don't understand, but it smells nice. It's like, oh, that was lovely. It was like a flower ran past. So I appreciate, I don't know nothing about this person. They're all sweaty, but I appreciate their smell. So we have these things. You know, we, you know if, you think about, if you think about most of the arguments on this planet are skin deep, aren't they? They are sense, they're arguments of the senses. We, dis- we dislike people or we disagree with people based on the colour of their skin, based on you know, the, the sound of their voice, the language they speak. These different things cause wars, the senses. The second way of seeing relates to the soul. We reason. Isn't it interesting when someone shares their testimony, you, know, you, can, you can look at someone's life and you can go, well, that person is offensive to me, to all of my senses. And then you hear their story. You gain a different understanding about this person. You have, you, 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 you have there's some reasons behind how, how they interact with you in, in the visual space. And then it's interesting how you can shift them. You can appreciate them from a different angle, can't you? You can appreciate someone based on their story, based on their history, based on where they've been, where they've come from, what they've done. It's the next level of seeing, isn't it? 
The next level of seeing is reason. As we learn, as we discover more about in the Word of God, we actually understand more of our own identity. We understand more about who God is. We worship God in a different way the more that we learn about His magnificence. And the third way of seeing relates to the spirit of man. You see, the spirit of man relates to the spirit of God and the spirit of God testifies to our spirit that we are his sons and daughters. You see, that kind of seeing is through revelation, through understanding or wisdom. We love Paul, the Apostle Paul's prayer in Ephesians chapter 1. He says, I pray that the Lord God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. I want to suggest to you, church, that it's time for us to go deeper and to go higher in the way we see each other. And not just, people, not just us here in this room, the way we see all people. We need to go deeper. We need to go higher. You know, how, you know my, my prayer is that we, you know, we would see beyond those first two levels. We would see beyond each other's stories. We would see beyond each other's looks. And we would see the intentions that God had when he created such a creation. You see, I know reasonably that God created you. He created you and he had an intention for you. But I cannot reasonably see it. So I must pray, I must seek God to show me his intention for you. And it sounds, it sounds like an abstract request, doesn't it? And, it, and I, you know, I, I ask myself, how will I know when God has answered my prayer? How do I know when God has answered my prayer to show me the deep things in you, to show me, to inspire me with what he was thinking when he imagined you? How do I know? is when I've got this, I've got more inspiration for your life than you do. I've got a love for you that I cannot explain because I don't know you well enough to love you. You see, he wants to impart to us something. See, when we talk about knowledge, there's, there's a knowledge that can go into our mind and there's a knowledge that can go into our heart. And we have to, those two need to be in partnership. If our knowledge is all in our mind, you see, I can reasonably give myself permission not to love you based on the things that you've done and on the things that you've said and on the things that you could do. But when I get the revelation that God says, love your neighbour, and when I get the revelation that he created you with the good intentions for a purpose, I don't have the permission to not love you. I actually have the power to love you. I have the power to see in you things that you don't even see in yourselves. Reason takes us to judgment. The senses take us to judgment. I like the taste of that. I don't like the taste of that. I like the look of that. I don't like the look of that. These are not deep things. 
The senses are not deep things. And I want to challenge you this morning that even our reason is not deep enough for us to be the love of God to humanity. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength. And then it says, and love your neighbor as yourself. We cannot do these things reasonably. It's not reasonable to love someone who you completely disagree with. It's not a reasonable thing to do. So we need to be beyond reason. We need to have a source of love that goes beyond what we see is reasonable. I don't, I, I, I don't need to agree with you to love you. I don't, I, I don't need to agree with you. I don't need to, to, to have something in common with you for God to show me that his intentions for you are for good. You see, if our goal is to agree, is to feel good, is to understand each other, then we will be limited to being content when we, actually, when we have those things. If I'm content only when I understand where I am, if I'm only content when I, I feel good or, or, or when I, I appreciate the same things that you appreciate, that's very rare in life, isn't it? We, you know, we're always looking for that soulmate, for that friend who can agree with us, who can, who can connect with their lovely times. But God wants you to be content in all things. So he wants us today, he's calling us beyond our senses, he's calling us beyond our minds, he's calling us beyond reason into a place that only he can provide, into a peace that only he can provide. Spirit, soul and body. I said to you this morning what the great apostle Paul says, he said, greet one another with a holy kiss. Who knows what a holy kiss is? You know, for me... It's interesting, if I'm only seeing with my natural senses, I say, I'll kiss you and I'll kiss you, but I definitely won't kiss you and you, I'll kiss you, not, definitely not you, not a chance, you know, maybe, Jamie, maybe, definitely not, you know. In my natural senses, I'm thinking, you know, it's based on, well, definitely I wouldn't mind having a kiss over there, holy definitely over here definitely not we 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 start thinking about things naturally what about greeting one another with a holy kiss intellectually if i'm kissing in the intellectual i'm thinking is it on the cheek is it on the lips you know is, what is holy anyway is holy you know what i'm thinking about while i'm kissing you is it you know what is everyone going to think if i if i kiss a man is everyone going to think something different of me you know we, we get caught up in this trap of what's everyone thinking what am i thinking is this right is this wrong we you know, we get caught in these things. And he says, Paul says, hey, I just simply said, greet one another with a holy kiss. If I'm kissing with my spiritual vision, something has awakened in me to the magnificent creation that you are. I'm not thinking about if it's right or wrong. I'm not thinking about whether you appeal to my senses. I'm saying, wow. You are created by the holy God, the creator of the universe, the great I am, the artista created you, so I greet you with a holy kiss. Interesting, isn't it? It's a different mindset that we need to come to. The downside is when you get to spiritual vision, you don't get to get rid of the other two. They're still there. So you greet, you have this moment, and, um, but you also still got to deal with your intellect You've got to go, is this right? Is this okay? Did I kiss too long? Was it, you know, right cheek, left cheek? You know, when, you, when, I get to, when I get to Italy, everyone kisses on both cheeks. And there's one, you're meant to start on one side and then go to the other. I can never remember which side it is. So, you know, it's always this, this head-shaking thing before you, 
before you get to the right cheek. Definitely unholy sometimes there. See, once you get to the intellectual phase, once you become a person of reason, doesn't mean you're, you, you no longer have senses. You know, it's like once you get married, it doesn't, it, 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 it doesn't mean that from that point on, you don't see every other woman or man for the rest of your life. You, know, you don't see the beauty in other people. We need to train ourselves, don't we? We need to train ourselves to come into submission to, to the, the holy God. Greet each other, greet one another with a holy kiss. In other words, body, come into submission to reason. Reason, come into submission to spirit, holy spirit. What do you see when you look at this person? Wow, come and give me a kiss. As we mature, we go looking for the greater things. We don't go looking for comfort. We don't go looking for speed. We don't go looking for for nice smells. We go looking for substance. We go looking for the intention behind the person. I read this statement recently from an, uh, an unknown mystic, Christian mystic. He said this, As long as we live in these mortal bodies, the keenness of our intellect remains dulled by the material limitations, especially when it deals with spiritual realities of God. You see, our reasoning is never complete. You can become the professor of professors who is the greatest person of reason on this planet but your reasoning is never complete and without the assistance of the divine mercy of God without God it generally leads us to problem places generally leads us to error because there's something beyond your reason that you need to tap into God is wants you to see in your family members he wants to see in your community what God saw what God imagined when he created these people And the only way that you can do that is by seeking God in prayer. See, prayer is the great, is this this space that we, we struggle to understand. We like to learn prayers. How do I pray for healing? How do I pray for this? My goal is, Lord, show me your love. Show me your intention for this person. Because as we interact in life we bump into problems we bump into people who who we disagree with you know we've got all these social issues that we go with now and people of faith in this room have completely opposite opinions on how we need to deal with different issues you see there's not one way of dealing with these things but there was there is one god who has an amazing intention for each of us and the only way we can get to that place is to ask him for it is to ask him for it and go, Lord, you know, I'm struggling to love this person. You know when you've, there's more growth when you cannot love someone. I just can't love this person. You say, Lord, show me this person. Lord, show me what you imagined when you created this person in your image. Show me, Lord. And it may be your husband or your wife that you're asking this about. You, you need to ask God to give you a picture of what he sees. You see, we're moving from this sensual environment where we, where we see with our senses, whether, whether it, it stirs our touch or our, or our sight or our smell or these tastes or these things. It's, we move from that. We move from that to reason where we can reasonably appreciate something. And then we move into this space where we say, show me what you see, Lord. What do you see, Lord? It seems like an abstract place, but the reality is, 
It's the only way to love your neighbour truly. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all law is fulfilled in one word, even this. In this, you shall love your neighbour as yourself. We need to tap into the Lord who in, in, we read in John, in 1 John 4, 4, it says, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. You see, you need to tap into the God who is in you, not to your mind or your, or your physical eyes. We need to go beyond. He's, you know, his, his prayer in Ephesians 3, is, Paul's prayer is that, that he, he, he wants to give us exceedingly abundant more than we can think of, more than we can see in the natural, more than we can even imagine, more than we can reason about. There's something more and we need to seek him for it. And the only place you can do that is on your knees in prayer before the Father. Why doesn't the band jump up this morning? It doesn't say do nice things for your neighbour, does it? It doesn't say do nice things because we can do nice things at arm's length from people, can't we? We can do nice things, but we don't have to love them. It doesn't say do nice things. It doesn't say say nice things. It actually says love them. He's called us to love people. And that is challenging when that person offends you with reason. With reason. If he or she offends you in your senses. As we continue to stay on this pathway of following Christ to freedom... We realise that the reason that we came to Christ is not the limiting factor for the rest of our lives. You see, most of us came to Christ because we were weary, we were heavy laden, something was missing in our lives. You know, we, we were unsatisfied and he fulfilled that void. But to be able to see deep into each other begins looking deep into your heavenly Father. He wants us to see the deep things in him. And as we see the deep things in him, then we get to love each other properly. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God. Or we could say our number one goal or concern is to please God. And let him worry about our contentment, our satisfaction. If our goal is to please him, then he will take care of the rest. Following Christ to freedom is not about protection. It's not about your protection. He will protect you, but following into freedom is not about your protection. It's about taking you to a place where you don't need protection, where you understand that you're eternal, when you understand that no matter what happens to you here on this earth, you're an eternal son, you're an eternal daughter of the king who walks in liberty, who sees clearly. I love the definition that we've got for freedom this year says this, freedom is the state of being that allows you to be at peace in any given moment. It's where circumstance does not hinder your capacity to see, to imagine, to create, to do and to love, just like our Heavenly Father. Why don't you stand with me this morning? We know that we need to go higher when we have the inability to love our neighbour. When we take the freedom of Christ and apply it to our lives alone, we know that we need to go to a higher place. One of the great things that prophets will say to you 
is I'll say this line to you. We'll hear it time and time again. I used to think it was a prophet cliche. There you go. The Lord wants to take you to another level. He wants to take you to another. Why does he want to take you to another level all the time? Why doesn't he just give me peace at this level? He wants to take you to another level because he wants you to be able to see more clearly. He wants you to understand that you're seated in heavenly places and in heavenly places you can look down and see love. You can look down from the intentions of God not looking face to face at the disruption of man. This morning, Lord, we come to you, the giver of life, the source of life, the great artist. We thank you, Father, that when you created us, when you imagined us, when you spoke life into us, when you breathed life into us, you did it with intention, you did it with purpose, you did it with hope, you did it with faith. And we thank you for that time, Lord, that each and every person seated in this house this morning was created by an intentional God with a purpose to glorify you, Father. So we ask, Lord, this morning, like the Apostle Paul asked, Lord, that you would open the eyes of our understanding, Lord, that we would see your purpose, that we would see your intention as we look into our brothers, as we look into our sisters' eyes, as we look into our enemies' eyes, Lord. You would show us what your original intention is with those people, Lord, so that we can love them, so that we can speak life, so that we can, we can take them to a place that they cannot take themselves. We give you all glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.